0: Before we get into our text this morning, I did want to just make a, an additional announcement, and that's that uh, this Wednesday is Be the Church Wednesday. Um, for anybody who might have an interest in World Bible School, uh, which is an opportunity for anyone from 8 years old to 80 years old to serve, um, it's, it's all done at your pace, as many students as you would like to have. Uh, we're going to be launching a couple of initiatives, one focusing here in Billings, uh, the other working with, uh, with students all around the world. And so if you have any level of interest, you'd like to learn a little bit more about that, uh, join us this Wednesday um, downstairs as we'll be meeting about that. Also in your bulletin, you'll notice that there's uh, names of, of folks who are, are shut-ins or who have difficulty uh, getting out right now. And so if you'd rather do some visiting instead, uh, there's a starting list of folks you might consider visiting on, on Wednesday night. Our our text this morning, as has been read, is from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And as I saw this cartoon, I thought uh, it felt at least appropriate to me. The subtitle there, of course, says, My sermon this morning is entitled Divorce and Remarriage Among Christians. One of the reasons I love textual preaching, where we take a text and we go through it, is because it helps me to realize that it will force me to preach texts that I might otherwise rather skip. And, to be honest, it forces you to hear sermons you might otherwise not hear. It invites us to have conversations we might not otherwise wish to have. And so, as we've been following Mark, we realize that Jesus himself and the gospel writer of Mark guided by the Holy Spirit has led us this morning into this discussion. And we're blessed because we have a little bit of a sense and an understanding of what's been happening in Mark that will help us to read and understand what's been going on ever since the eighth chapter of Mark. Jesus has been warning people against the inappropriate relationship to power and authority, and conquest, and dominion. In fact, Peter, who says, when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross, and this is what's going to happen to me, and Peter rebukes him and says, no, 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 no. We're not a bunch of losers around here. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of man. And then, of course, as Jesus continues to teach throughout the 8th and the ninth chapter, he prescribes that followers should do what? They should deny themselves. He says, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And as we read through the end of, of Mark chapter 9 last week, we realized that greatness is shown when those who have power and authority show great regard for the least. And Jesus offered us that stern warning at the end of Mark Mark 8 or Mark 9:42, if you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. And as we look at that text, we realize greatness in the kingdom is about the type of welcome that one shows to the little ones. The little ones, of course, being those without power, those without authority, and those who are lacking. And so it should be no surprise then, by the time we get into Mark chapter 10, Jesus will apply this to three specific contexts. Treatment of wives, treatment of children, And treatment of one's own finances. We have moved now into the household. And Jesus will call in the household for a certain type of behavior where one will become last. One will become the servant of all. First of all in regards to wives. Then in regards to children. And then in regards to one's own finances. And so before we dig into Mark chapter 10, I want to just briefly paint a picture of what a husband and wife relationship would look like in this first century. There's a lot of extra biblical material that we could look at, but I've just grabbed a few parts. An extra biblical book, Sirach, it says that the husband should not allow the wife to control his life. Josephus a first century writer who writes around the time of Jesus says women were inferior to men and as such all authority has been given to the man. The woman at all times was considered property that she was subjugated either first to her father and then to her husband. If there were the death of a husband the property unless there was an exceptional situation would not pass to her it would pass on to another male relative. If, in the case, there was a bride price and some sort of a dowry that was offered back in the case of a divorce, that money would not go to the wife, but it would go to the woman's father because it was the woman's father who had been violated in that divorce. Women in that culture typically could not initiate a divorce. The exception, it seems to be, would be upper-class women, where we have a few cases where Jewish women initiated divorce, but that's an exception and not the general rule. Now, let me ask you, what do you think happens in situations when men have almost unquestioned power and authority? They get to make up rules and then they get to regulate themselves by the rules they make up. Do you assume that the husband in that context will willingly take up the status of being last and least of all? That they would see the men in this culture as the servants of all? Or do you think that they might become more like the Gentiles who lord it over their subjects? Here's two predominant views of divorce written in the Mishnah, a document published between, written between 10 to 200 AD. So this is very contemporary with Jesus. The school of Shammai says, A man may not divorce his wife unless he has found unchastity in her. For it is written, because he hath found in her indecency in anything. And so you have one dominant approach, that of Shammai, who says, unless she has been unfaithful to her, gentlemen, you cannot divorce her. And for whatever reason, you might find out why, the school of Hillel was much more popular amongst the Jews of that time, because Hillel says he may divorce her wife even if she spoiled a dish for him. For it is written because he hath found in her indecency in anything. The exact same text they reference, of course, Deuteronomy 24. And one of the rabbis at the time, Rabbi Akiba, says, Even if he found another fairer than she, for it is written, and it shall be if she find no favor in his eyes. In other words, some men said, If your wife burns your toast say goodbye. Go find someone who's a better cook. Or if you happen to marry who you believe to be the prettiest of all women, and a week later you find somebody else who is even prettier, then you can divorce that woman and marry another. Do you think they're being the least of